0: Welcome to the Champs App Podcast, where we help players and parents demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I talk with Sadie Lundquist, who is the Director of Women's Hockey at College Hockey, Inc. We discuss the mission of College Hockey, Inc., her priorities for growing women's college hockey, and getting a D1 women's hockey team in the state of Michigan. This was a very informative conversation with Sadie, so I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to this amazing episode, I wanted to give you an update on Champs App. We continue to make enhancements to Champs App, and this year, we will be adding some amazing new features to help with your hockey journey. Champs App is a digital hockey network. With Champs App, you can create a beautiful free hockey resume. Whether you are a hockey player, team coach, development coach, parent, or advisor or agent, you can create a personalized profile that fits your role in the hockey community. Once your free profile is created, you can connect with team coaches, development coaches, parents, and players. No matter your role, you can now add key contacts to show everyone who the key folks are that you work with, work with you, or are helping you out. It's like the LinkedIn for hockey. If you are a player, when you connect with coaches, they will receive automatic updates when you change your profile, add game video, or alert them to upcoming games on your schedule. Just go to www.champs.app and click the sign up button to start your profile you can check out the full list of the NCAA coaches using champs app by clicking on the links in the show notes. We also have more exciting features coming soon to help you get noticed in time for the upcoming recruiting and training season. Now let's get to this amazing episode. I'm very excited to have on the podcast Sadie Lundquist, who is the newly appointed director of women's hockey at College Hockey, Inc. Originally from Cloquet, Minnesota, Sadie played Minnesota high school hockey before attending Bemidji State, where she played for four seasons and was a team captain. After graduation, she worked for the Minnesota Wild and played for the Minnesota White Cups in the NWHL. Last month, she was named as the first director of women's hockey at CHI. Welcome to the podcast, Sadie.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Ray. I appreciate you having me.
0: Hey, uh, great to have you. Why don't we start you off like we do all of our guests, um, telling us about uh, growing up playing hockey in Minnesota. I hear the play hockey in Minnesota, so maybe just tell us what it was like and uh, um, how you ended up playing college hockey.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love Minnesota college, or excuse me, Minnesota hockey. I grew up in a small town up in northern Minnesota near Duluth, so uh, it's kind of a community built on hockey and that small town feel. So, um, it was incredible. I, I had, you know, a really intimate experience with the community and the, the support. And, uh, I had one coach from like U12 all the way through high school. So I had the same Richard Bartholdi. It was an older, older gentleman who loved to yell. And he taught me a lot about hockey, but, uh, it was an incredible community to play for. Um, I had two older brothers that played as well. And then a younger sister. So four of the five of us played for the, the Cloquet Lumberjacks, which was Uh, a pretty cool thing to have, um, all of your siblings playing and most of your siblings playing with you. And yeah, we weren't really much of a hockey family. My oldest brother came home one day and said, Hey, one of my best friends is starting call or starting hockey. Can, can I play? And I think that the first time they took him skating, they didn't know that when you got a new pair of skates, you actually had to hollow them out and, and sharpen them. So my, my brother's very first time was just awful on the ice, but that's what started us to become a hockey family. And yeah, so I got to play all of my youth through Cloquet, my high school team. We were pretty successful, which is super cool being a small town in northern Minnesota. I got to go to a number of state tournaments and, and just had a lot of success with my community. So it was a lot of fun.
0: So uh, it's my understanding that the uh, you, you're, you live now in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. So um, yep. my understanding is the Minnesota high school tournament is coming up over the next couple of weeks. So will you be going to any of these no. events?
1: Absolutely, the state high school for both boys and girls. It's like you put that on your calendar. You're in town those weekends. You're going to the games. Uh, I keep track of who's, you know, who's making it as a Northern, as a two one eight area code gal. I always root for my Northern teams to have good representation at the state tournament. So uh, we have a couple teams in there, but yeah, I'll be down most of the days. Actually, probably Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, and, and maybe even Saturday. It's like a, a rite of passage here in Minnesota to, to go to the state hockey tournament. It's And it's just so fun, especially on the girls' side, to see the growth. Um, you know, I got to play in the state tournament the first time it was ever held at XL Energy Center. And there's kind of that debate of, should it be in a smaller venue and in all these things? And I don't think there's a wrong answer. You're playing in the state of hockey for a state championship, and that's that's what matters. It, it's such a fun time in the state.
0: Beautiful. Um. So. Yeah. What I want to understand is that uh, obviously you played in, in, in the tournament yourself, um, mm-hmm. and you're a pretty offensive player. So what? How, how did you become such a, a, a good goal scorer and just general, you know, strong forward that you, you led the team in scoring in your second year in college?
1: Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I I would argue I played with a lot better goal scorers than myself. Uh, some more natural goal scorers. I'd like to think that I'm just too competitive to not to try to score you know I just like competitive to a fault that is you know that is just uh to me at the core so um yeah I just think that I worked hard to you know I'm not gonna uh say that I wasn't you know a student of the game and always pushing myself and I had coaches who pushed me and uh, my dad built a rink on the side of our house growing up so got to play a lot of outdoor hockey with my friends even some of the kids from the neighborhood who didn't play hockey growing up who uh, found themselves on that rink on the side of our house so it was a lot of fun uh, but just a, I'm just an incredibly competitive person as most people are who play college hockey right and that uh, desire to win and that desire to help your team just in the process hopefully you put a couple of pucks in the net.
0: Very nice all right so how, how did you end up at Bemidji State? How did you uh, get recruited? What was that uh, process like?
1: Yeah and getting recruited it's a, it's a great question because it's it's so different for each player, even though there's this process and this timeline in place. Um, I, I found a funny story. I went out to Lake Placid for one of those USA um, development programs in high school. I remember on the flight home, there were some other girls on my flight and it was the day that you could start getting calls from colleges. And um, I remember uh, the girl next to me got a call. And like, I, to this day, I can feel like my heart sink to be like, am I not on the right trajectory? Am I not doing the right things to make sure I'm in that position to be where I need to be? And, um, that's kind of what we can talk about later with College Hockey Inc. and how we want to help that process for, for prospects. But um, later that day, I did get some calls. So I was really fortunate that I had some schools reach out. They were interested in me. Um, like I said, my my family wasn't really a, a hockey family. So we didn't necessarily know the process. We just kind of trusted that those teams and those coaches that reached out were giving us the, the right details and the right timelines and, and kind of helping guide me and, and my parents through that process. So I had about five or six schools um, that I was talking with or working with or visiting, but um, being a Northern Minnesota kid, Bemidji was just a really good fit for me. Um, size wise, my family could watch me play. I wanted to be in the WCHA and um, I knew I would be able to play right when I got to Bemidji. I wanted to try to come in and be an impact player right away. So that was a, a big part of what drew me there, but uh, incredible coaching staff, great community. Um it helped that my sophomore year we got a brand new rink. so we got to play in an incredible facility there when I was um three I've of my four years. Rink. So I've been to that <laughs> rink
0: and it is beautiful. that is for sure and and it and the, the whole town loves the, the you know the uh, the beaver so
1: yes, yes and it's it's a unique college um like kind of like we chatted before this. it's not for everyone. It's a small town, but it's on the lake there. It's beautiful. it's gorgeous. and if you love that lifestyle, um and then the hockey was a good fit for me and the school was a good fit for me. It was just checked all the boxes for me as a as a student and as an athlete.
0: Beautiful. Um, So, uh, you know, after graduation, you know, you went and worked in the real world for a while. And and you also played a little bit with uh, Winnie Bro Brown on the Minnesota Whitecaps. Uh, I believe uh, you won. You won uh, uh, an Isabel Cup. Um, And that's all great. But what I really want to ask you about is, what it was like participating in the Red Bull crashed ice competition um, and and what was it like the first time you went up to the top of one of those uh, to the course and looked down um, as, as, as before you skated down the the ice yeah the death time. trap
1: <laughs> what was yeah. that
0: like T- take me when you went up to the top and you looked down for the first time and, and what was going through your mind
1: yeah it was it was super cool it was a fun experience you know, I graduated from college hockey. There was no white caps um, playing in professional league at that time, so I thought, why not give it a try? My older brother did it, so um, yeah, I remember I they did on ice tryouts at the Excel Energy Center through an obstacle course and crushed it. I was like, this is going to be awesome. It's easy. I snowboard. I got to the top of that. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I sign up for? This is so scary. It was so fast. Um, it was really fun. And I got some really cool opportunities and experiences. I got to go to Munich and France, Marseilles, um, Quebec City, Ottawa. So I got to do some really cool things with it. I also did break my leg doing it. So little yin and yang, there's cool opportunities, some cool medical bills. Um, but it was a really cool experience. I think we go back, you know, to that competitive comment. It just, it filled that need to compete and and be a part of something. So it was a really great little time of my life but then uh the white caps entered the nwhl and i easily hung those up to to get back on flat ice we'll put it that way
0: Beautiful. All right. I was, I was going to ask you if you got hurt and if you crashed, but I think you answered those questions and and, uh, and also all the different places that you got to uh, visit. So that's pretty cool. Touring yeah. the world because, uh, you know, you get to go to Canada, Europe, uh, etc. So um, that's awesome. All right. Well, we, we need to start talking about College Hockey Inc. So yes. maybe let's just start. Um, the most simple question is what is College Hockey Inc.? What's the mission of the organization?
1: Yeah, you know, at its truest core, like at it, if you were to break it down and give like a maybe a little mission statement, we're, a nonprofit organization, and we're dedicated to promoting Division I men's uh, and women's hockey uh, to prospective players, to fans. Uh, We do it through different marketing and informational efforts. So, I mean, that is the core of of our organization and who we are.
0: Gotcha. So unlike the men's side, it seems that, like, the U.S. and Canadian um, girls want to go play U.S. college hockey as their first choice. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't hear many U.S. players going to Canada to play youth sports like you do for uh, on the men's side to go play juniors. Um, so why is that? Because I remember like many years ago, like even before your time, that the best female players attended Canadian universities. In fact, they, you know, many of them played at my alma mater, uh, McGill University, way back then. Okay. So um, I'm just curious, you know, um, you know, why is it that you need to start promoting, you know, U.S. Division I women's hockey when that really seems to be the preferred choice of most female players these days?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. We, you know when I accepted this position, it's the first time it's being held. So a lot of folks did say, okay, well, the men's side, it's really to say, stay in NCAA, stay eligible. This is your best path forward. Get a degree. It's top-end hockey, all those things. But to your point, we don't really need that on the women's side. The best path forward for top hockey players is to come play NCAA hockey. So uh, the women's focus is more to grow the game. It's really all about growth. Um, growing opportunities for prospects and making sure they understand the process of of recruiting. It's growing the platform for these incredible athletes and making sure that all these schools and programs um, have a bigger reach, a broader reach, a better audience. Um, And then it's, you know, physically growing the game. We meet with campuses and colleges that are looking to add division one women's hockey to their campus, um, which has been a really cool effort in tandem with the NHL. We come in and help run feasibility studies to, to say, hey, if you want to add women's college hockey to your campus, here's your opportunity and your cost. And um, that's a big part of our initiative as well. So when you look at the women's side, it's truly all about growth. Um, There's those different pillars of growth that we focus on um, throughout that life cycle of women's hockey. The really exciting thing now is the PWHL. It's And how can we use college hockey as that growth proponent to go to the PWHL? So it's just a really fun time in women's college hockey. There's a lot of momentum. Uh, but there's still a lot of opportunities for growth, and to make sure that we're giving these incredible athletes the biggest and best and most broad um, platform that we can.
0: Great. All right, so you 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 touched on two key topics, uh, two different roads oh, I yeah, want to yeah. go down. I'm going to go down the one that almost everybody wants to ask about. So Delaware, um, uh, yeah. their first D1 team starting in 2025. Yeah. And yet Michigan, which has got <laughs> many, many, many men's D1 team still does not have a single one single women's team where are you at yes. with getting five or six michigan and uh, michigan schools to add women's well, hockey five or you've six. been on Let's this job a month one. people want answers
1: i know i know it is funny i'm one month in and i'm like this is the, the biggest topic um what what mike snee our executive director and i like to say is project michigan is on the horizon um you know it is to your point there are no division one schools there there are some schools that we truly believe it would be a benefit added to them and then obviously to women's hockey as a whole for them to add college hockey so it is on the horizon uh it's something that we are working on um that's really I should say it's all I can say that's all I will say but to know it's it's a priority and it's an opportunity right we don't want to look at this as a why don't you have it and you should have it And this it's a here's your opportunity and here's how we can grow the game and how you can um, broaden your opportunity on on the campus and colleges. So that is in the works, and I will I will leave it at that.
0: Okay, so you'll be giving us updates weekly on this topic.
1: We, well, check yeah. out my Twitter. I'll be live streaming all of our prudel. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, so I understand the carrot and the stick methodology. Uh, I think most people want to use the stick at this point because it's been going on so long. But I understand your perspective. All right, so <laughs> I'm going to change uh, to go down the other path that you uh, brought up a little bit earlier. Is how will the um, PWHL impact women's college hockey? Um, you know, is is it possible that college players are going to get drafted while they're still uh, at school Um, might there be players that you know leave early or maybe even skip college hockey and go play professional um something you know that's probably may not be in your best interest um what's your perspective i know it's still very early mm-hmm. both in terms of your role and uh you know the 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 tenure of the pwhl but what's your perspective on on how the um, both organizations work together
1: yeah, yeah yeah it is early right and i think Um, first and foremost just want to acknowledge the success the PWHL has had right off the bat it's been it's been so fun to watch Um, as someone who played college hockey and and even played with the NWHL it's just awesome that Friday night game Toronto and and uh, Montreal broke that 19,000 attendance record so cool and and when you look at that and you look at college hockey it's just opportunities that's like the key word is opportunities 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 it's 93% 93% of the PWHL came through NCAA hockey. Um, so that's a staggering amount. We only foresee it going up. Like we talked about earlier, the best path for college or for women's hockey players is through the NCAA. So um, we're hoping that this will be a really great partnership to say, hey, this NCAA is essentially your feeder league. Um, so how are we making sure that these girls get four years to develop as players, get to develop as students, get their degrees, um, build their brand, and then, you know, you kind of look at other sports that do it that way, the NFL or WNBA, you know, after they've gone through their four years, then they go and be a part of this program. And um, these new teams hopefully attach to the colleges they played for and vice versa. And um, They don't know yet what the rules will be on rights, on drafting, on all those things. So I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I, I Those haven't been established quite yet, um, but I know that the PWHL and um, – you know, leaders in in NCAA and in women's hockey world are are working together to make sure that that's a smooth transition and is best for, for all um, parties at the, at the table. So um, it is a cool opportunity though. It's incredible to see, you know, how can this come to life and help grow college hockey, help grow the PWHL and just be this really cool uh, connection of two, um, two powerhouse, you know, women's hockey programs. So.
0: All right. So the whole women's hockey recruiting process is is quite complex, and with new teams and rule changes, it continues to change each year. I was wondering, h- how do you see College Hockey Inc. helping with the recruiting process?
1: College Hockey Inc. What we're doing here in this, and this is one of my first initiatives that I'm working on, is actually compiling um, a research project uh, on Division One and Division Three commits to say, here is. Um, here's the data right here is the the when kids are committing here's their process here are the key dates uh, and timelines that you should expect as someone who is either hearing from coaches or someone who's wanting to put yourself out there um, and this project is going to be just it's going to be super informative to say you know we've seen in the past kids committing early and these you know verbal commitments and those are great those are I don't think those will ever go away but Um, entirely. But what we want to do is to say, here's the average age that girls commit. Here's the average process. Here are the things that you can expect when you are uh, being recruited. Because every recruitment story is different, right? I know there are your rules and your regulations on dates, but what we're trying to provide is this just core basis of knowing what you should be doing, how you should be reaching out, um, how to stay eligible, uh, clearing house and grades and and all those things. But we also want it to be in that frame of mind that you don't always have to be going to every camp and paying for all these, um, you know, extensive travel trips or whatnot. Yeah, each each process is different. And as long as you're being proactive and forward thinking about, uh, reaching out when you are eligible and when you're able, um, we're hoping that this research provides peace of mind and opportunity for girls to really understand that process. So, um, I, like I said, this is something I'm just starting. I'm about a month in and then kicking it off here in the next few weeks, but working with the uh, coaches and, um, ADs and, and, and other, um, key people in the women's hockey landscape to say what are the things that you're talking with your recruits about what are the things that you expect or look for uh, that we can again weave into this project um, and make sure it's just a really unbiased and really general uh, resource for kids who, who are looking to play at the next level.
0: All right. So um, one of the things that's really become popular over the last few years, especially with COVID, has been the transfer portal. So as um, players are considering women's college hockey and which teams to go to, um, what's what's College Hockey Inc.'s perspective on you know the pros and cons of having a lot of flexibility for players um, due to the transfer portal? Is that helping? Is that hurting? Because um, you know a lot of people's perspective is that the rich are getting richer while the kind of um, lower ranked teams are losing some of their top players
1: yeah you know the transfer portal to your point you could really argue both sides of it um I don't know that college college hockey we necessarily have a, a say one way or the other there are pros and cons based on each individual and on each teams um I think it's a great opportunity for kids who do go into a school and maybe think this isn't this isn't the fit that I was looking for whether it is academic or Um, uh, on ice so we do like those opportunities I do like that those opportunities for kids uh, to be able to find the right fit for them right as coaches want to bring in the right athletes that right the athlete needs to feel like it's the right fit Um, it does put some pressure on the coaches and organizations in a retention form um, which is interesting I think it hopefully long term will help um you know, create some of those relationships between players and coaches and, and really lean on those to say, you know, for example, I played at Bemidji State, um, and they have lost a few kids to the transfer portal, um, and that's no knock to that kid. That's no knock to the program. This just maybe was another good fit um, for, that, for that student athlete, and I don't think anyone wants to stop student athletes from finding their best fit, um, both on and off the ice. Another component is we're still in this kind of weird limbo of COVID years, and uh eligibility beyond the four years. So I'll be curious to see how some of this shakes out as we see those covid years go away. Um I think next year is the last year of covid year avail- uh, uh, eligibility. So um yeah, you know I'd try to keep that as PC as possible cuz there are pros and cons and I think uh no matter what team you are, what player you are, you're going to be able to have to ex- you're going to have to explore those and what that means for you as a student athlete but then you know, that, that organization or that college that you went to initially, where, where do you feel like you stand within that, that organization? So.
0: Gotcha. And so, uh, you know, I've seen the men's presentation a couple of times uh, for a college hockey and a big Mm -hmm. emphasis is, um, playing men's college hockey is a great way to go to the NHL. I'm sure you're at some point, you're going to come with a presentation and say, it's a great way to get to the PWHL. Um, but right now, you know, um, a lot of uh, players are thinking of it from a financial standpoint. Um, Maybe what's your perspective on like figuring out the return on investment of playing women's college hockey and attending college and and going down that path, Uh, especially since, you know, there's a limited number of scholarships and um, it's an expensive sport and, you know, and and different schools have different tuition. And obviously the Ivy leagues have no um, scholarship. So what's your perspective from college hockey Inc on, you know, uh, figuring out why, what, what, what the ROI is on, on going down the women's path?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question because you do have to now factor in that PWHL component as well. Like you said earlier, do you foresee girls leaving earlier? And that kind of that does factor into the ROI and and what people see in the value. Um, I still think I think we think that the value of women going to college for four years and getting that degree is still there. And it's not we don't feel like it's going to go anywhere soon. Um, the PWHL is incredible. I, we don't know if the salaries are quite at that area where it's going to supersede the idea of staying for four years. So, um, like you said, all schools are different in, in cost, in academic, um, you know, expectations, all those different things. Um, but I, it's... How do you put a number on that? I feel like the ROI is pretty invaluable when you look at what they're gaining, what kids or students are gaining in a student athlete life, and opportunities they get to do for travel and competition, um, and then most importantly, we look at that as getting that degree um, and the experiences you have when you get it, that degree. Um, I know it's hard to put a number on this, but when I look back, college hockey is one of my one of the things I'm most proud of, uh, and I could argue it's what helped. Um, being a student-athlete, obviously, that degree helps, but being a student-athlete is what taught me all the things that allowed me to be successful with the Minnesota Wild and get a role here at College Hockey, Inc. So it's really hard to put a value on that because it it opens so many doors beyond um, beyond the on-ice life. So I don't know if I fully answered your question kind of a roundabout way, but uh, there's just so many factors that go into what it means to be a, a student-athlete, particularly a women's college hockey athlete. So
0: Gotcha. All right. So when you were interviewing for the role that you ended up taking at College Hockey Inc., they probably asked you, what do you think the two or three biggest opportunities are for an organization like College Hockey Inc.? So what was your answer to those questions when they when they were asking you that for during the interview process?
1: Yeah, and this, it might feel like a cop, or some people might say, oh, this isn't achievable. But you look at Caitlin Clark and what she's done to the women's college basketball landscape. And it's how do we find ways to replicate that success? Um, I know she's a generational player, so it's hard to always say you can find that one player that defines, um, you know, all the things that she does, but there are athletes in the women's hockey landscape that are like that. uh, And there are teams that are like that. And there's opportunities out there to say, how are we taking that success and replicating it? Um, Because they are incredible athletes and they're incredible um, stories. And the the platform needs to be bigger for these girls to showcase, uh, you know, everything that they, they contribute on the ice and off the ice. So, um, I looked at Caitlin Clark's story. That's incredible. And then two Nebraska women's volleyball. You know, that's not one individual player that is um, building up that platform. But, heck, I've I've watched like three or four Nebraska women's volleyball games. I don't – I ain't played volleyball, not from Nebraska. But what they've done to market that team and create so much success outside of their normal fans and viewership is something to be studied and replicated, and that's what we'd love to do on the women's side here is – Kind of figure out what levers and and what storylines and how we can just grow this game in this market so that um there's just more people more eyes and and more fans watching college hockey and in turn watching the pwhl and again just a, kind of this melting pot of fans who followed their college teams and their professional teams so that truly was my answer when they asked um what 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 are the opportunities for growth and how do we replicate that we don't know yet but we know that that's what we want to do is try to build up the platforms like some of those other programs have.
0: Gotcha. And is one of the um, kind of areas to potentially increase attendance is um, maybe changing the, the times of day and days that uh, the games are being played. Cause you know, you know, I know a lot of the games are being played. You know, Friday early afternoon, Saturday early afternoon, so that the men's can fill up the arena. Allegedly, you know, at Friday night and Saturday night. You know, maybe there is an opportunity playing. You know, either in the evenings or you know, other you know, having offsetting schedules so that the men's team and the women's team aren't playing at at the same location at the same time, so that you can get more more butts in the stand. You know, watching the games in the evenings because you know, having a few hundred versus you know a thousand or two thousand. Is a big difference in terms of the energy in the in the arena.
1: Absolutely, yeah. You know, full transparency. We haven't talked about that as much. Um, the scheduling component in terms of with the men's, as we've talked about more, is how are we getting our game into other markets? You know, do we uh, look at something like the icebreakers and start bringing in other schools so that there's just more. Um, more eyes on these schools out of market. How do we maybe take a game with uh, two teams that are heavily Canadian and go take it up to BC and play it up in a local um, BC mountain town where now you're going to have this new inspiration of of young girls in that community playing. So, you know, so much of what we want to do is grow the women's game but with that, we want to connect with communities so that the bottom of the funnel is being built as well, so that we are inspiring those 8-year-olds and 10-year-olds to stay in the game or even to join the game uh, and pay dividends in the future that we have more girls across the country, across the globe, playing women's hockey. So, uh, I, you know, I'll take a note on that one. I'll write the the times and the scheduling down because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. We did some home-and-homes with the men where we played at 3 o'clock on a Friday and we had – um, maybe about 15 to 20 diehard little girls who would come to our games. They were like our super fans and their parents had to make a decision to pull them out of school on a Friday if they wanted to come to our game. Um, so that's certainly an area that we can, we can focus on. But a lot of our talks have been on bringing it to new markets and finding new fans and showcasing this and, and hoping that that community latches on to one of these teams and, and find success to, to grow their youth community as well.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So um, I'm going to start kind of wrapping this up, but what are the sure. um, two or three early um, successes you hope to have um, that people can recognize uh, in, in your new role? What, what are things that people should be able to look forward to um, in 2024 uh, that, that's going to be new as a result of your being in this new role?
1: Yeah. So we are working on a couple of research projects that I'm really excited. Uh, one is going to be goalie specific. Uh, we're looking at Division One, and eventually we'll probably introduce some Division Three goalie research to say where are they coming from, how are we making sure those communities continue to to um, grow that goalie game, but also looking at USA Hockey and saying, hey, across the United States, how are we growing the idea that this goalie is this all important position and growing our numbers and growing our success across Division One and Three? So that's going to be a super interesting project. I'm excited uh, to see what's uh, what we pull out of that. Uh, Like I said, we'll also be doing a really big project here on overall women's division one and three landscape NCAA recruiting. Uh, We'll layer in a lot of geographical factors there and just, it'll be this kind of foundation to say, if you are a girl in the United States, or actually if you're a girl in the globe and you want to go play NCAA hockey, here's this document. Here's this very core uh, informational set that will help you get to the next level um, I'm really excited for that project. And then um, Project Michigan, I'm hoping that, you know, in the next year we'll be having some really cool news. There are a number of other schools we're actually working with as well outside of Michigan. So can't say who they are, but um, I'm hoping in the next year you'll get to hear from me saying we're introducing women's hockey to another college campus across the U.S. So.
0: Beautiful. Will you come back and announce it on the Champ Dad podcast? <laughs> yeah. that, would be, that would be awesome. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Beautiful. Um, well, I, I really want to thank you so much for uh, joining me on the podcast. Is there anything else about College Hockey Inc. Um, that we need to know? Like, are you going to be going on tour? Are you going to be doing a presentation? Are you going to be going around to, like, showcases or events to to spread the word about CHI? Yes,
1: yes, I will. Thanks for asking. Um, I think one of the coolest things about this job is that I, it is the first time it's being held, so um, I don't know I, don't want to say I'm flying the plane as I'm building it, but it kind of is. We're, we're exploring these different projects and these different uh, opportunities, but that also is shaping this job and this role as we're moving. So uh, while we have some visions for one year one and year three, we also are going to be extremely nimble and flexible to know that the college hockey landscape will also bring us to the areas of opportunity and need. So um, I guess what I would say is if you have, if there's people out there, kids, parents, coaches, programs, anything like that, where you have thoughts and ideas, concerns, um, just want to look for a resource, reach resource, reach out to me. Um, we're here to be a resource for women, women's college hockey prospects, people transfer or uh, transitioning out of college hockey. So. Um, I think the, the really cool part of this job is it's still being shaped and we want to hear from the folks that are, are going to be impacted by this to to weigh in and give their thoughts on how this can be shaped to best focus on op- opportunities uh, across all of women's hockey. So, um, yeah, appreciate you having me on. I'm super excited for this role uh, to continue growing and we love to hear from anyone who has thoughts or opinions or concerns or wants to change the schedule of Division One women's hockey. <laughs>
0: Fabulous. So what, what I'm going to do is put uh, your contact information like how they can follow you on Twitter and uh, or X and, and, and Instagram <laughs> and things like that. Um, and so we'll make sure all that information is included in the show. Yeah, notes. Please uh, Sadie, I want to thank you so much for joining me. It's great learning about your hockey background, um, hearing about Crash Dice, um, <laughs> what College Hockey Inc. is all about and obviously uh, your priorities for, uh, in yeah. your new role. So thank you so much for doing this.
1: Yeah, no, thank you. Ray. I really appreciate it.
0: I really want to thank Sadie for coming on the podcast. It was great to learn about how College Hockey, Inc. is trying to grow women's college hockey. To learn more about Sadie and College Hockey, Inc., check out the links in the show notes.